1: Here
2: are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your Headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. I'm joined in studio once again with our producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin.
1: And another wonderful Saturday night in June. Yes,
2: I know. We're getting close to the 4th of July.
1: It is. It's coming quick. (laughs) It's always
2: amazing how quickly that comes up. And then I always feel like, well, the summer is like half over. And I I guess technically it isn't, but somehow it feels that way. You can (laughs) slow down now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, last week, if you joined us on our program, Education Nation, you know that we were discussing... Uh, how the Common Core math standards had, uh, de- or had decreased. Well, actually, we didn't really get to that. We're going to talk about that more today. But we had talked about uh, the 1997 math standards in the state of California and how excellent they were and how they had brought such great improvement to the math scores of the students in California. And we left off by kind of briefly highlighting the fact that n- not only was that the case for students who are Uh, non-minority students, but it was also positive for minority students as well, which is an important thing to note because obviously we want to use standards that are going to be good for all kids. We want every child, we can all agree that every child deserves an excellent education and equal access to an excellent education. Right, and education. that's the thing.
1: When it comes to, you know, things like Common Core or like we spoke about uh, last month about the Every Student Succeeds Act, it's all about a closing that achievement gap. Yes. And the federal government has tried to take... bull by the horns to do that but as we're seeing from these 1997 standards as things were left to the state's control they were doing it just fine yeah
2: and they were the and there was much less of an achievement gap back back in that time at least in the state of california and i think we're going to note that in our next show it's true in minnesota as well um, but back in 19 or 2010, 1910, back in 2010, prior to the implementation of Common Core, uh, the former senior policy advisor in the U.S. Department of Education, Zeve Wurman, and the research fellow or and a research fellow at Stanford University, Hoover's Institute, Bill Evers, drew attention to the successes of these 1997 standards preparing all students for algebra one and eighth grade. And uh, both men, because of the success, voted against California adopting the Common Core math standards on a state commission yes, they because they knew they knew that what they had going was already excellent. They had already increased the uh, success rate of kids taking Algebra one in eighth grade to thirty six point five percent from eleven point two percent in
1: just a just,
2: in just one decade. Exactly, that's a that's triple, more than triple uh so they knew what they had going there and they didn't want to they didn't want to get rid of a good thing and between 2003 and 2009 just to be clear the number of african american students successfully taking algebra 1 by 8th grade more than tripled from 1700 to 5400 students and the jump among hispanic students went from 10,000 to 45,000 and for students from low income households from 12,000 to 49,000 so these are huge, huge uh, statistical um, or st- statistical evidence that this was working. Mm-hmm. Uh, Werman and Everett's also pointed out that a growing K-12 math proficiency produced commendable progress in the state's post-secondary education. So if, I, if you listened last week, I talked about that, how if you're not teaching kids well at the elementary level in math, it's going to affect their whole course of math um, Uh, learning and they're going to be less proficient all the way through. So you have to start well. Yes, it's a, it's a very important detail with math um, since it's, It's a compounding subject. So anyway, they saw benefits in the post-secondary education realm as well. And between 1997 and 2014, the California State University, which was already known for keeping excellent records on admissions and remediation, reported that increasingly more qualified students and freshman enrollment were more than doubled from 26,000 to 63,000 while remediation rates in mathematics dropped from 52% to 27%. That's a huge drop. I mean, it is so exciting. And and you just think, why? You know, if it's not broken, don't Don't fix fix it. it. (laughs) So why in the world did they do that? If it's not
1: broken, don't break it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: and that's exactly what happened in the state of California, sadly. Yes. Um, so, to summarize, the Californians' local, local efforts without the federal government's interference paid off. And by the time Common Core actually hit the state schools in 2014, the state had the highest percentage of students taking algebra by eighth grade in the entire United States 67%, a fourfold increase in over 15 wow. years. And on the California Standards Test in 2013, 55% of the state's 8th grade algebra takers uh algebra test takers were proficient or advanced up from 40% in 2002. I mean these are large gains we're talking about. These are about huge here. gains and if they had continued on that path they would have remained successful.
1: Mm. They would be the envy of the rest of the country yeah. as California goes yes, so would yes. maybe the rest of the country right? Exactly. Well, in 2010, once the California State Academic Content Standards Commission recommended the state adopt the new National Common Core standards, the growing number of students proficient in algebra across mathematics, as you would imagine, began to stall and Mm -hmm. decline. So sad. And as we mentioned earlier here in the program, Common Core math standards are not fewer than those in California's 1997 standards. We talked about that last week, about Mm -hmm. how the Common Core standards were 73 pages when it came to math, as opposed to the 59 under the 1997 standards. Well, according to Wurman and Evers, the commission tried to pass it off as though that the state was, quote, preserving the current academic rigor by creating what Wurman and Evers would term as make-believe algebra option for the eighth grade. Hmm. And it took all of the algebra content, this is what they did. This is Common Core. This is Common Mm -hmm. Core's algebra content, and dumped the standards on top of the national standards pre-algebra content. Hmm. And that was creating what was teamed as an obese, unteachable, double-dose course of 74 standards. I mean, that is just such a physical picture of... Bureaucracy bloatation. Yes, I yeah, remember. at its worst. Yeah, yes, absolutely.
2: And and the poor teachers trying to deal with this, and the poor students trying to learn it. It's right. it's it's really unfortunate
1: to mix the technicalities with the artistry yeah. of, of teaching. Yeah. Well, Werman and Evers believed that the Common Core standards refused to provide necessary preparation for what they termed as an overstuffed course.
2: Mm-hmm. So in other words, not only did they overstuff this course, yes. but then all the standards leading up to that course did not sufficiently, pre- sufficiently prepare the students to be successful. Even if a teacher could have done, you know, performed that course well or uh, taught that course well, what they're saying is that the common course standards leading up to that course also did not provide for the students to be yes. prepared to even receive it well. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, as the numbers were starting to be compiled from pre-Common Core to then post-Common Core, uh, Star uh, and NAEP, or mm-hmm. uh, two you know test score compilers, mm-hmm. they went ahead and uh, compared some numbers, and they said in just four years under Common Core, California's long-standing effort in introducing Algebra One to students in eighth grade mm-hmm. saw a steep drop mm. in enrollment. And when we say steep, okay, now again, <laughs> remember the gains. Okay. We're talking almost threefold over 11 years. Yeah. But in terms of a drop, the Algebra One eighth grade enrollment dropped from 58% in 2013 to just 19% yeah. in 2017. Yeah. If our listeners
2: could see this chart, it's like a cliff. It is. <laughs> literally, it's climbing, 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 and climbing nosedives. during the good standards. And then it takes a nosedive after Common Core math standards are introduced. It's, again, and you know what, part of what makes this so frustrating is that we're talking about children's education here. You know, these, these are not just numbers and facts. Right. These are individual kids who are in school, and parents are sending them with good faith that the teachers and the administrators are giving the best education they know how to do to their kids. And instead, what happens is they are basically running an experiment on these students, and the test scores take a nosedive.
1: That's right, and none of this has been proven to be successful, and the numbers just confirm that. And that's the thing; it just—it's it, really frustrating to know that the kids of this country, especially in California, that are being treated like a science project.
2: Right. And this is what happens, and unfortunately. It's their one educational experience. Yes, yes, and that happens in education. There's a lot of trends that come and go. And unfortunately, it's the students in the classroom that are the test subjects rather than pre-testing these things. Yes. And and that's what happened with Common Core. It was not pre-tested. Mm-hmm. It was just rolled out that's right. nationwide.
1: And the kids end up suffering. They're the yeah. ones who suffer. Now, the 19% enrollment uh, for eighth grade algebra that occurred under Common Core by 2017 Uh, took the state of California back to where it was in 1999. Again, we mentioned last week that the the math results were horrible prior to the introduction of the 1997 standards. Mm -hmm. And basically this was reminiscent, this drop of where algebra taking was really the privilege of the elite. So Mm -hmm. guess then who it impacts the most? Right,
2: the minorities. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And under the state's 1997 math standards, Like we mentioned last time, Latino and African-American students experienced significant increases in the number of students enrolling in Algebra 1 by 8th grade. However, under Common Core, these students experienced much deeper losses in enrollment than it was for both white and Asian-American students. And that's a travesty.
2: It's a travesty. And it's just, it breaks my heart for those kids. And again, when we are trying to get uh, when we're trying to erase the achievement gap when we are trying to get more and more kids interested in stem careers, um, we're we're going in the opposite direction from what we should be doing. Yes, yeah, to find that success. Well, with enrollments in eighth grade algebra declining in California, we learned that Common Core actually moves the bulk of an algebra course to the ninth yes. grade. And I remember this when I started researching Common Core back when it first came to light in 2010 or 11, uh, that was one of the biggest cri- uh, criticisms from people who knew math is that they were moving Algebra 1 from 8th grade to ninth grade. So for people who really understood math, they weren't fooled by this bulky course that they had tried to create in 8th grade. They knew um, that it was basically moving Algebra 1 to the ninth grade. And according to Joy Pullman, who's the author of The Education Invasion, How Common Core Fights Parents for Control of American Kids, she is also a writer for The Federalist and has done a lot of research on Common Core. Uh, She said that Common Core promised that their curriculum mandates and federally required tests would actually boost achievement Hmm. and match that of international students. But it's important to understand that this appearance that the Common Core advocates have tried to produce that achievement actually has been boosted really came as a result of the Common Core redefining what success looks like Mm. and taking away the public's ability to really measure it. So the actual numbers show us that the math scores have decreased and the number of students taking Algebra one in eighth grade have decreased. But the perception that they've put out Yes. is that the Common Core math has actually improved the success of students. But they've done that by redefining really what success is and taking away the public's ability to measure it. So Common core deception and promising to get all students college and career ready involved pressuring states that were competing for federal education grants into having their state university systems agree to not remediate students who passed Common Core exams. So... One of the issues that we've seen nationwide is that a lot of students have had to take remedial coursework when they get to college, particularly in the area of, of it's usually math and writing yes. are the two areas. And so what they did when they launched this whole Common Core uh, scheme, I don't know if you want to call it a scheme, but idea across the states, um, you know, they, they basically said, well, part of this agreement is that you will convince your state university systems to not remediate the students who pass these special tests. Well, they create these special tests to align with their standards. And their standards, we've already demonstrated, are significantly lower than the 1997 math standards that, that California already had in place. So if you can show that a student is proficient on a Common Core aligned test what are you really proving? Right, the
1: bar's already been lowered. The
2: bar's already been lowered, so it really doesn't help. So uh, the bar for that academic rigor... Um, was not raised. It was actually the state higher education systems then that would have to allow the Common Core to define what suffices as college-ready. Now, for some
1: of our listeners that may not be familiar with what remediation is or remedial courses, can you just explain generally? Yeah,
2: so a remedial course means that a student is entering into college, but the college determined that their math skills or their writing skills are not up to par for college-level work. So they would admit them into the college, but they would say, but... Under the condition that you take this course that is a non credit bearing course to prepare you for the credit bearing course. In other words, we're not going to give you college credit for taking a course that you really should have mastered in high school. Right. But now, what Common Core is saying, well, no, we're just going to lower the bar. So we're going to convince the course, the colleges, to go ahead and give credit for those remedial courses.
1: Right. So we've lowered the bar.
2: Yeah.
1: You're in school now college and, yes college. In college and we're just going to waive uh what the 1997 standards were basically before that and you've basically have just accomplished what the lower bar wanted so mm-hmm. that's why we can waive the remedial course And then we're going to give you
2: the remedial course mm-hmm. and we're not going to call it remedial and mm-hmm. you're going to get college credit for it Oh
1: no Yeah Well well you know he- here's the problem you know according to to Werman and Evers uh these two former U.S. Department of Education employees, and uh, the Common Core does not require enough math for students to be ready Mm -hmm. for college-level classes, especially for those that are trying to prepare for a math-related profession. And here's what they say about that specifically. Mm -hmm. They said, Common Core defines college readiness below what have traditionally been the prerequisites for essentially all state colleges across the nation. And this would involve the completion of geometry and Algebra two courses. Instead, Common Core puts the readiness level at about half of the traditional geometry half. and half. Algebra two content. Half. <laughs> this is suitable at best for community colleges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with the lack of true college and career preparation, What is common core solution? Well, according to Werman and Evers, unprepared students will be placed, and you touched on this a little bit, Rebecca, Mm -hmm. in specially designed credit courses, otherwise known as co requisite or stretch classes. That's what they're termed in California.
2: (laughs) A new term is born. Right. Stretch classes. A real stretch to be ready for (laughs) your college level math courses.
1: (laughs) And this means that even though they cannot do college-level work, students will be told that they are, and they will be given college credit for it for doing non-college-level work. And I just wonder how oblivious the students really are to this, because if they're preparing for these STEM careers, they're up for a very rude awakening when they go for those job interviews to find out right. i'm not ready
2: right well and this is this is it's it's the classic kick the can down the road scenario you know mm-hmm. well we're going to lower the standards in the lower school and then we're going to lower the standards in the middle school we're going to lower the standards in the middle in the upper school and then by the time the kids go off to college we're going to create these new stretch courses to make sure that the kids can get college credit for learning information that they should have learned in high school um, but they weren't being taught. It's not the kids' fault. They can only learn as much as they're being taught. Right. Um, and then they get these stretch classes. What does that say then about the college degree they're receiving? And you know what? That matches what we're hearing, right? We hear across the country uh, employers saying that kids are not coming out as well-prepared as they used to be out of college now. Yes. So why? Well, because we're we're basically changing... The bar. We're lowering the bar and then we're giving college credit for information that was once taught at the high school level. And regardless of what the motivation is for that, the bottom line is that's going to damage the overall, um, I guess, viability of our college programs across the nation. Because right. if all the colleges buy into this, then by the time a child graduates from college, they have not... Reached the same level that they did twenty years ago, thirty right. years ago, and that will come out in an employer uh, what they see, and then they have to do more training, and that's what we're seeing now. A lot of employers are training in the realm of math and writing because the kids are even coming out of college without those proper skills. So the employers, and are are so now, to now the cost, teachers, now. exactly. So now the cost lands on the employer's lap and the time factor that they're losing in having to teach skills to kids that should have been taught long ago. So we've got a system folks that is that is breaking and and broken, I would even say broken, and we need to really take a look at what is the best way to fix this. And I think we kind of need to go back to square one and throw out common core. You know, it doesn't get a lot of conversation anymore because it's it's just embedded now in most states educational systems but until we really address it and deal with it and, and go back to standards that actually work, uh, we're going to continue down this path.
1: Yeah. Just a couple of, uh, notes on what we've been talking about. This reminds me of an interview that I believe we had done with Howard Root last year, who Mm. was Mm -hmm. doing hiring for his company and realizing, you know, that that lack of preparation, unfortunately is there for a lot of college graduates and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does come home to roost for sure, and that that's just so disturbing. That's yes. really disturbing. And, you know, the thing that's really confusing, you know, at the current administration, you know, there's the denunciation of Common Core at the federal level. But, see, the problem is when it starts blending and it gets interwoven with state standards, how does it get diagnosed? Well, no, that's the federal portion. Mm-hmm. That needs to be omitted since we, the federal government, stand against it. And yet, but no, it's still part of the
2: state standards,
1: so it can't right. really be
2: removed. Right, right, and and it is tricky because curriculum is expensive, yes. and all of the curriculum that got changed. And this is, you know, this is something when we talk about the fact that education has so many trends and you know theories that come and go. The wit, the driving force between uh, behind a lot of that is the curriculum companies, by the way, like Pearson. Right. Pearson makes tons of money every time there is a curriculum change because what do they do? They address the change and they create the new curriculum and they sell to all the districts and they sell to all the private schools. And it's kind of a never-ending supply of money because it's, it's t- state tax dollars that go into buying curriculum. And so for a company like Pearson and all the other large curriculum companies out there, they're motivated for these changes and trends to come and it's go, a it is a huge moneymaker at for the them at the expense of the taxpayers the ex- and even more importantly, the students themselves. Yes, um, I've, I've been in Manhattan several times, and uh, Pearson is located on some of the most expensive real estate in all of Manhattan, and I I find that somewhat ironic that this company that you know, yes, it's a private company. Well, it might be publicly held, but it's not owned by the government or anything like that. And yet they have, you know, this ability to be in this very high-end district. Uh, It's no accident that they are collecting, you know, hundreds of millions of tax dollars over the course of time to be able to support that institution. Mm -hmm. And they are the backing behind AP. Uh, They are also the SAT corporation. So all of that comes out of Pearson. They're they're all connected. So this is a very large domino mm-hmm. effect is what yes. we're saying here. Yes, it is. Yep. Well, the state of California, uh, getting back to California, is aiding in the facilitating um, of the double achievement deception that we've talked about as they've abruptly ended their pre-common-core tests as well as their end-of-course exams for algebra and geometry. In other words, again, lowering the bar. So making it harder to see that the math standards are lowering by basically taking those exams away. Well, we just won't give them anymore, and that way nobody will know that the kids are not doing as well as they used to be doing. Um, So this essentially removes any and all measuring sticks to equally compare achievement between performance on pre-common-core tests and post-common-core tests. Um, So that's how Common Core passes along the lie, really, that student achievement has doubled with the implementation of Common Core. And it's really concerning to me because it's important for our families uh, across the nation, but obviously in this case in California, to know the truth because the truth is what really affects their own child. And we need to know the truth here in Minnesota because we want to avoid having those same problems in Minnesota.
1: And we've been discussing a lot of numbers, a lot of statistics, repeating a lot of things because we want our listeners to see the trend. Mm -hmm. And we want that to to stick in their mind to say, you know what? We don't need the federal government's oversight in our children's education. Mm -hmm. If we have the right people in place locally and across the state we can have educational standards mm-hmm. that without taking money from the federal government can be successful for
2: people all across the board. Right, right. That's exactly right. And we know that, that things like this are better done locally and at the state level, um, trying to have some type of a federal mandate on education, even though technically it wasn't, you know, I, and this is, this is, I will say that those architects of Common Core were brilliant. I mean, strategically br- brilliant in the sense that they developed these common core standards uh, not through the federal government per se, right. but at the federal level. And the way they then instituted them across the nation was by convincing the Obama administration to tie the common core standards to these race to the top grants. And states were were hungry for this because they were they were relief from the No Child Left Behind legislation that had been put in place by the Bush administration, and that wasn't a perfect pill right, either to swallow. Right. I mean, they you know they were trying to help, but there were a lot of problems with No Child Left Behind. So these were legitimate concerns that the states were having, and they were hungry to get out from underneath of those standards and or the the No Child Left Behind plan and so this this was brilliant their 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 rollout was brilliant but thankfully a lot of the teachers and parents in the states once they'll com- once those common core state standards actually began to show up in the classroom through the curriculum because it took a while you know right. once the standards were created uh they it took a while for the curriculum companies to make all the common core materials to go with it and Uh, Once it took hold, parents started noticing, and there was a lot of uproar, and there still is some uproar, but unfortunately, it's hard because it's all controlled at the federal level through the testing and through the regulations, and even with Betsy DeVos in place, and she's relaxed some of that federal control, um, there is still so much motivation on the part of the states to keep in line with this Common Core because of the testing
1: I have to ask you this real quick. You know, we talked about the brilliant commissions that, you know, put these standards together. I mean, are these people that have an ex- a background in education? Well, that's the interesting thing. When you <laughs> yeah. look
2: at the committee of people that right. wrote the, the standards, very few of them were actual educators. In there fact, I think there was maybe one teacher on the entire panel that developed these standards. And they're more, you know, philosophers. There's a lot of tech representatives from the tech industry that, therefore, it's no surprise that part of Common Core there is a lot of there are a lot of standards in the English language standards and math um, around technology, and that's why technology has taken such a huge and central role in education today because it was built into those standards. Well, what's the motivation? They were writing. they were helping write the standards, yep. and the tech industry, just like Pearson, stands to benefit from from the educational establishment using technology in the classroom, because then they get to sell a lot of technology it's a to the profit. schools. It is. It is. Well, we are running out of time once again, and we are so thankful that you joined us here on Education Nation. And if you want to listen to this podcast or any other podcast, go to ednationmn.org and join us next week, 6 p.m. AM 1280, The Patriot. Thanks. Good night.